Okay, well, good evening, and uh, welcome to our roundtable discussion with the pastors. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have a round table this time. We actually have a rectangle desk. Uh, we are in pastor's office this week, and so uh, it's more of, uh, you had a title, Pastor, that we were talking about before yeah. we started. Pre- precepts with the pastors. Precepts with the pastors, instead of a round table discussion. Anyway, uh, it's, it's comfortable in here. Uh, pastor's got it nice and cleaned up, and not that it was dirty to begin with, but uh, you know he tidied it up just a little bit for us. And we got Joe here with us, uh, and so we're hoping that uh, these have been an encouragement and a blessing to you. And so this uh, Sunday evening for you, it's Saturday afternoon for us. Uh, we're here in Pastor's office on uh, the Saturday before this uh, airs, and so we're excited to be able to bring these to you. We hope they've been a help to you. We got a specific a a good topic today that we're going to look at, Pastor. Before we get into the topic, I want to wish you a happy birthday in front of the whole church. <laughs> today is his birthday. You just had to go there. Didn't I did, you? <laughs> and so um, you're watching this on Sunday. That means his birthday was yesterday. So in the comment section below, oh, no. wish him a belated uh, happy birthday, <laughs> and he's going to be a grandfather this year. Oh boy! So, so. we have a uh, we have a saying in our family. We watched all dogs go to heaven. I think it's the second, I think there's two of them, I can't remember, it's been a while, but there's a scene in there where there's a, a horse race, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the horses' name is the Grand Chahi, and that particular horse celebrates a birthday in the movie, and so they let him win the race, and so ever since we saw that, our girls and Trina and I, uh, we referred to whomever is celebrating a birthday as the Grand Chahi, and so today, yesterday for you all, uh, I would be considered in, my, in our family the Grand Chahi. I texted that to to Joe earlier, and he says, "You know, you're more like a grandfather." <laughs> and uh, okay, well, if I'm a grandfather, then uh, I'll take that title. That's okay. That's not a bad title to have. Amen. So to the grandfather Chahi. The grandfather Chahi. <laughs> we're going to jump in here. So uh, Amen. Wh- Amen. we're we're going over. Uh, roadblocks that people have that prevent them from putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save them. And we took a break from that when we were going over the, the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll jump back in on this topic. What do we have today, Pastor? So, so t- today's uh, topic is, the title is, If God is Just, Is He Just Really in Punishing Those That Have Not Heard? Uh, judging Those Who Have Not Heard. And I'm sure you have heard people respond to you as you've witnessed. Uh, I know you have, Pastor. I know I have. Uh, what about those that never heard? What about those that lived in an area that was uncivilized, so to speak, as some of us, uh, us rather, might refer to them as, as heathen people, uh, people that live in jungles who never had a Bible, never had a church, never had a preacher. Uh, in some cases, they had missionaries. In some cases, they may not have had a missionary come. What about those people? And this is a, a major roadblock for some so folks. So these are people who may be, even be sincere. Mm-hmm. These are people who um, uh, have gone their whole life and never picked up a Bible or seen one or even heard of one. That's right. That's right. Um, will God send them to hell as well? That's what, that's what people ask. And that's what people say. It's unjust. It's unfair for that to be the case. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, this evening uh, and so hopefully we can be an encouragement to you. Well, the Bible does tell us about these things. Uh, the Bible, uh, God, of course, knew that people would question this. And in Romans chapter number 1, uh, it's one of the premier passages with regards to this. 
in Romans chapter number 1, verses 16 through 20, uh, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And by the way, for those of you who understand, the Greek refers to all Gentiles, not just Grecians. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God. Now notice that phrase. That which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Notice what verse 19 says. That which we can know of God is manifest in us, because God has shown that to us. And verse 20 goes on to say, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, excuse me, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Pastor, I find it very interesting that verse number 20 says the invisible things. The unseen things, the things that are not tangible, that we can't hold or see, or uh, like a Bible, like a preacher, like a church. These are invisible things. Uh, they are understood. The creation of the world, they're clearly seen because God has placed it within us, is what this passage says. God uses the invisible things to lead us to an invisible God. Amen. Amen. Uh, the, the next chapter in the book of Romans, chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein, wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. No one can stand before God in the day of judgment and accuse God of being unjust, of being unfair, regardless of where and when they were born, where and when they lived, uh, even if a man was born in a jungle uh, as a heathen uh, living in a uncivilized society, if he never read a Bible, he never heard a sermon preached, uh, he still uh, will not be able to accuse God of being unjust. Now you're thinking, how is that possible? <laughs> right, Pastor? Some people are saying, well, how, how can that be possible? How can it be that he doesn't hear, he doesn't know, uh, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't see, and God still hold him accountable? Well, we talked about this before we started. Even though they may not see or hear, they still know. Yeah. They still know. I, I had a book sitting on a roommate's bookshelf, um, and this roommate was a book nerd. He had all kinds of books. This is when I was a college student. And the title of the book, I never read it, but the title of the book was How to Make an Atheist Backslide. Mm. I found that title interesting. That's a very interesting title. And I asked, I said, um, what is the premise of the book? And he said, the premise of the book, my roommate said, the premise of the book is that no one is born an atheist. Amen. Everyone is born believing, and they they choose to be an atheist, and then... Uh, so the goal would be to get them to backslide back into believing absolutely. what they originally were born absolutely. believing. Absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely right. And we, we both agree that it's an innate uh, desire. It's an innate knowledge within all of us from the time that we're born that there is a creator. I remember I, we, we spoke about this before we started recording that as an unsaved young person, as a child growing up, even though I was influenced by society and 
television and radio and different things that I heard, deep down within my heart, I knew there was a God. I, I, I believed that there was a God. And, Pastor, you've used this, I'm sure. I've said it before, uh, that no one is born an atheist. Uh, we become, we are, we're taught we're taught to become atheists. We, we assume that, that mantle from someone else uh, indoctrinating us. And, and that's what happens with atheists because we all have that innate uh, knowledge within us that God exists. One of the greatest proofs of that is that if you get, uh, you get into a plane and a boat and you go to some uncivilized part of the world where they're tribal, um, they're, they don't have all the things we have today, maybe they're even out of touch with the rest of the world, in every case, they're worshiping something. something. That's right. The the desire to worship God is there. Yeah. Is there. And they may not know exactly who that God is right away, uh, but they are going to worship something. Yeah. Uh, we're, all, uh, we're all made religious, so to speak. So uh, how can, how can uh, uh, a person who hasn't heard, has never been presented the gospel, how can they trust Christ as their Savior? Well, the Bible helps us to understand this truth. All right? Uh, point number one that we have here on our notes is everyone has some light. Everyone has some light. Whether it's small, small amount of light, uh, or knowledge, so to speak, they all have some. And we just talked about this in Romans chapter 1. Uh, everyone has some light in their conscience. In their conscience. Uh, letter A under point number one. In their conscience. And so Romans chapter 2, Pastor, if you, if you don't mind reading verses 14 and 15 out of Romans chapter 2 for us. Sure. It says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accus- accusing or else excusing one another. Interesting. He says it's written in their hearts. The law of God. Okay, you may not have had a canonized Bible. You may not have had a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You may not have had a Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, or what have you. But you have the law of God written in your heart. It says, uh, which have not the law, they do by nature. We naturally do the things that are contained in the law. This is why the atheists push for morality, their argument falls apart. Because who determines morality for them, right? Ultimately, their moral ethics is based on the codes in the Bible, but they don't want to give the Bible that credit. <laughs> Isn't that right? And so their, 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 their moral ethics, you know, falls, fall, their argument falls apart because they are not giving God uh, his true uh, due and his true uh, credit. So belief in God is something that is innate in all of us. It's instinctive. Uh, all of us as little children have something inside of us tell us that there is no God. No one is born an atheist. We mentioned that already. And I like this statement here. The abnormal mind is the only mind that cannot accept the fact that God exists. And uh, Pastor, what do we call April 1st? National Atheist Day. National Atheist Day. <laughs> because it's... Fools, April fools, right? And the Bible tells us in Psalm 14, 1, and Psalm 53, 1, the fool hath said in his heart. And so we call April 1st National Atheist Day because you have to be a fool to say in your heart that there God is no God. There is no God. Yeah. You have to, the Bible is very clear. And we've already established that the Bible is the Word of God, okay? And so 
Uh, I like I like that. It's so funny. April first being National Atheist Day. You were right on we, top. of We that didn't one. rehearse that. that. No, no, that yeah. was you were right on top of that. You Amen. were all over that. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Amen. Uh, so history has proven that a common characteristic of all people is to believe that there is a God and life after death. As you mentioned just a moment ago, Pastor, you go somewhere uncivilized uncivilized society, they're going to be worshiping something or someone. So man is basically a religious creature because of his innate sense of God's existence in his conscience. And so, go ahead. And just interject here, mm-hmm. the the evolutionist would combat that and say, well, no, morality is just part of the, the, the development of, of mankind and is a ne- necessary part for, for things to remain civil. And I would say back to that, then if it is uh, all an accident then the individual gets to determine their own set of morality. Of and who are you to tell me that my morals are wrong and my, my version's right and yours are wrong? It, if that, we were to ask that same person, if we were to ask that same person, do you believe that it's right or wrong to commit murder? I'm sure 100% of the time they'd say it's wrong. If, do you believe it's right or wrong to commit rape? They would say it's wrong. So where does everyone on the planet says that? Yeah, it's unless wrong. they've committed murder or of unless course. they've committed rape, and then sure. morality changes to whatever's convenient for them. Absolutely, which Absolutely. which becomes part of the problem. So that's the beauty of, of of believing in God and and believing that He gave us the Bible because that gives us all one standard to live by. That's right. That's right. It's the absolute authority, yeah. the Word of God. But I even mean, without the Bible, that's right. it's been written on our hearts. It is. It is because they know. You know, even without it, I had never read the Bible, but I knew that killing was wrong. Okay, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Do you remember, do you remember the first time or one of the first times that you ever told a lie to your parents as a child and you thought you had gotten away with it and you were laying in bed at night just eaten up with guilt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Had you ever been to Sunday school and been told that lying was wrong? Never. And those watching in right now, I know I remember the first time. Yes. Most everyone does. Yes. Because we all have it in our heart to know that there is a right and wrong. And where there is a, a, a natural law within our hearts... There must be a lawgiver. That's right. That's right. I love it. It, it can't be any clearer, folks. I, I don't know how much more Bible verses or evidence we need for people to understand that everyone will be held accountable based on the fact that God has written his law in every single human being's heart. Everyone has ever lived and ever will live. And so we see that God, that all men have some light. Okay, we see that in, in our conscience. Right, let's look at the next one. Let her be. Okay, not only does everyone have sunlight by way of our conscience in our hearts, but we also have sunlight by way of creation, by way of creation. Uh, I love Psalm 19 and verse 1. This is one of my favorite verses. you mind reading it for us, Pastor? Sure. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. The heavens declare. They shout. They're, they're trumpeting. God is here. You, you know, when people say, I just want to go to the countryside and lay on the grass and look at the stars. Why do people want to do that? Because they're fascinated. They're fascinated by the stars, the universe, the galaxies, the constellations, the beauty of it all. It's fascinating. And, and the evolutionists will say, well, that just happened. And, and it's impossible for that to just happen. 
again, you don't get uh, you don't get uh, construction from something that's destructed, something that just explodes. It just you don't get positive from something that's negative like that. Now, like we're doing upstairs, there's some destruction happening. A wall is being taken down, but another wall is going to be. But someone has to do that. It doesn't happen by itself. Behind your head is a canvas of my family, brother yes. Joe. If you could show that. Yes. Uh, many of you have already noticed that. Um, uh, that's being zoomed out there so you is. can see. Um, that didn't just. There wasn't a bomb that went off in a canvas shop with some ink, that's and right. that didn't just that's appear. Right. That's right. Someone took the time to take the picture, to send the picture in, uh, and then to carefully. Uh, have that put on that canvas. And In other words, it was designed. It was designed. It was designed. Yeah. Just like the stars, just like the universe, just like the galaxies, just like the world, yeah. it's designed by God as the designer. Amen. And so creation is one of the greatest evidences that God exists. The fact that something functions in an orderly fashion demonstrates a creator who intelligently planned it to function that way. Again, even if a person never saw a Bible, they had never been witnessed to or heard the gospel, uh, they have at least the testimony of creation, at the very least, and then also the testimony of their conscience, the law of God written in their hearts. And why is that important? That is important because, again, the original question being asked is, would God send someone to hell who's never heard a clear presentation mm -hmm. of salvation? Well, we must, and we're building this, but we yes. must begin with the premise that everyone has at least some opportunity to seek God. That's right. Because there are evidences both within us and outside of, outside of us right. that help us right. to, to know that there must be, if we're a creation, there must Amen. be a creator. There's if there's, there's morality or a law, yes. there must be yes. a lawgiver. Absolutely. Romans one twenty For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The things that are made. The things that he created. We can see God in nature. We can see God uh, in creation. We can see God in the sky, in the rainbow, in the storms even. We can see a designer, a creator. It's not chance. You look like you got a verse that you want to look at. Nope, I was okay. just looking at the verse right, in actual scripture. Here. Okay, so another sub-point that we could add here, uh, we all have some light. Another sub-point that we could add here is that God gave us our conscience, He gave us creation, and then the greatest is He gave us Christ. He gave us Christ. Uh, he sent his son to be the propitiation for the Amen. world. He sent, I mean, his greatest asset, so to speak, uh, to display. He proved that love. The Bible word is commended. He yeah. proved it to us. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. And, and, so, and our conscious in creation, our gigantic neon arrow pointing to Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And once someone hears about that, if they're honest with themselves and they open up their heart, that that is the natural piece of the puzzle that fixes the problem. It fits perfectly. Yeah. If it, it did for me. Amen. It made total sense. So we see that everyone has some light. Uh, let's look at point number two. Uh, light obeyed increases light. Light obeyed increases light. So if you have the conscience, you have creation. Uh, and, of course, let's just say you don't have the knowledge of Christ. Let's just say you don't have that. But you have conscience and you have creation. Well, you say, in your heart of hearts, you say, well, there, I, I believe, I feel inside that there's a God somewhere. I sure would like to know him. I sure would like to, to meet him or, or uh, learn about him. Well, when you do that, God responds 
to your efforts to know him. Amen. 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 Uh, we have several examples that we're going to look at, Pastor. The Ethiopian eunuch is, is one of those examples in Acts chapter number 8. Uh, give us a little background here, Pastor, about this story. And if, if we can, if we have time, we'll try to read as much of this passage as possible. Yeah, so before we jump into the passage, one, one important thing to remember is that even Solomon, when he built his temple and he was praying, in that prayer, I believe it's in Second Kings, if I remember right, he talks about if a Gentile comes in from the outside and is seeking for the truth, we are to help them find that truth. And so that's what this Ethiopian eunuch was doing, is he was coming in from the outside because he had a conscience and he had creation and he was seeking for truth. And his journey had led him uh, to Jerusalem and no doubt he had been in either a synagogue or the temple and he had gotten a copy of the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And he's asking around for help and no one will help him. Either they're too busy or they were prejudiced, whatever the reason was. He was a Gentile. They were a Jew. They didn't want to help him. So he gets in his chariot without knowing. And if you go to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, that's a heavy book. It is. Right? It is. And, and so he gets in his, and, and you, you kind of need to know some history. And mm-hmm. there's some, there's some back, background there you need yeah, to know. Absolutely. He gets in his chariot, and he's heading back to Ethiopia. And God sees a man who desperately wants to know him. He has the light of his creation and, and, right. and his conscience, right. or God's creation, his own conscience, and he's seeking God. So God then d- uh, takes drastic, radical Amen. steps Amen. in order to get this man the rest of the way to salvation. Amen. And, and we see that in Acts chapter number 8. It's, it's a fascinating passage of Scripture. It's a fascinating story. Uh, and th- do we have time, Pastor? You want to read this passage? Yeah, let, let's, let's read this one, and we okay. can just discuss the other passage. Okay. And, and, uh, uh, you want me to read it, or you want to read it? Go ahead. Okay, in Acts chapter 8, verses 26, we're going to read down to verses 38. So stay with us if you can, okay? Pay close attention to how this works. The Bible says in verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, that's the book of Isaiah, then the spirit, verse 29, then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself, thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? I love this. Uh, and he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and, la- and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Notice that this eunuch was like, who is this? Who's he talking about? Can someone please show me? Same thing you were just saying. He's seeking, he's seeking, he's seeking. God saw that and he sent them a preacher. And he took Philip from a revival 
yes. a, a place in Samaria where people were believing and trusting left and right. Yes. His family was involved. His daughters were helping to proclaim the truth. And God says to Philip, get up and go to the desert. This was not only drastic, this was miraculous. Yes. This was miraculous, as we'll see. Uh, in verse number 36, uh, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. I love that. He answered his question. Uh, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, that's a tremendous testimony right there. Verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And I don't have the verses here, uh, but it says later that, that God took Philip away. He translated him. Uh, miraculously, he just disappeared. I, I want to drop a Star Trek reference here. I'll leave that alone. So... <laughs> Up, up he goes, back to Samaria for the revival. It's incredible. Miraculous. Yeah. And God went to great lengths to get this man the truth because he was seeking. The one verse that, that, uh, that, that came to me as you mm -hmm. were reading this mm -hmm. was James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw nigh to God and he will yes. draw nigh to you. Amen. And here you have someone who has light. They're draw, trying their best to draw nigh to God. And God takes the huge step the rest of the way Absolutely. to make sure that person can find the Absolutely. truth. Absolutely. Amen. That's one example in Scripture. We have a second example here in our notes by a uh, man by the name of Cornelius. Now, this one, uh, to me, is even a little bit more interesting because he seems to be even more seeking God even more. I mean, you would think this eunuch is seeking God pretty, pretty uh, intensely, but Cornelius was actually practicing uh, uh, religious activities. He was doing, he was, the Bible calls him devout. The Bible says he feared God. Uh, he gave much alms. He prayed to God always. I mean, he was doing all kinds of religious things, and yet he was unsaved. And he was as sincere as he could be, and Absolutely. he knew he hadn't quite found the truth. Yes. So yes. here he is. I believe he lived in Italy. Mm -hmm. And he um, he's wanting the truth. He's wanting to know. Yes. Uh, he's he's oh, he's obeying the light given. That's right. That's and, right. And God takes Peter, yes. who's a very prejudiced man. <laughs> if you're familiar with that passage of scripture, that's where Peter had the vision. Uh, <laughs> and God put the the animals out there, and he said, "Arise, Peter, kill and eat." And, and Peter said, "Not so, Lord." I, that doesn't even make any sense. That that's a that's an oxymoron statement. Yep. You can't say not so and add Lord because yeah. he's not Lord if you're saying no. I'm not going to obey you, Master. That I should obey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Is what he's saying doesn't make sense. And so he said, "Not so, Lord, because nothing unclean has ever crossed my lips. I've never eaten any of these unclean animals." And God made it clear to him, "Listen, what I've cleansed, that call not thou common. I want you to go to this Italian man, this non-Jewish man." Uh, this man whom you would probably not want to be around, yep. you would you would be so prejudiced towards. God is kind of clearing up two things at the same time. Yes. One, he's saying you can eat bacon now. Amen. Right? <laughs> he, he's, he's removing the dietary restrictions Thank laid out in the Old that. Testament. We're both excited about that one. Yes, we are. Amen. Um, I'll have bacon tomorrow morning for breakfast. Amen. <laughs> and with a side of bacon. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, but more importantly, bacon with a side of bacon. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> more importantly, he said he comes out of this vision, yeah. and who is standing at his gate? But the servants yes. 
of Cornelius. Yes. Who had, God had sent an angel to Cornelius uh-huh. saying, go to Simon the Tanner's house. Yes. Right? And get yes. him and he'll tell you how to find me. Now, Simon would have never, Peter would no. have never gone with no. these guys. No. Had God not gone through the drastic steps of catching him up in a trance and giving him a vision. And Peter was smart enough to put two and two together and yeah. say, I, I would have labeled these this man unclean or yes. common. Yes. And God is saying, I want to save them too. That's right. Get your sorry self down the road That's with right. them. And so we see that, that Simon does that. Peter Simon Peter does that. There is no room for prejudice. There is no room for racism in Christianity. None. Zero. Zero. It, I know that we have a big thing that happened this week in Minnesota. And listen, we're just going to give our two cents here. We believe the Bible. This is the Bible's two cents. God created all of us. And we're not all saved, obviously, uh, at birth. Uh, so we're God's children by creation, uh, just because he created us, but we're not a child of God uh, until we're truly saved. We're not in the family of God. We're all the creation of God. We're all the creation of God. Uh, But we have to stop this different color. They look different. Uh, They're from a different part of the world. Uh, This has got to stop. It has got to end. I I don't know if it ever will, uh, but if there's any hint of racism in us, yeah, it's got to be dealt with. It's got to be dealt with. Yeah, we have to. It's a sin we need to repent of and give that to the Lord. I, I got a. I got a, an example where I don't have time to share. Um, I wish I did, but there was some of that in me um, years ago, and I and I had to work on that. Uh, if you want to know what it is, I'll be more than glad to share it with you. Uh, I've said it in public before. Well, I'm um, glad you got rid of not liking white bald guys. So. <laughs> You know, we're we're able to to coexist now. Now that now that I know you like bacon, you're all right. Okay. <laughs> Amen. All right. All right. So look at what it says in Acts chapter ten. Now here's here's an interesting thing. In the beginning of the chapter, we talk about he he prayed, uh, he gave alms, uh, he 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 was devoted. He did all these religious things. And it says in verse uh, twenty nine, I believe it is, no, verse thirty, that he was fasting. It said that he fasted for four days. This man was religious. I mean, he wanted to know God. But his faith wasn't in religion. His faith was in God so that God could bring him to the truth. I love the fact that it says that the servants came and said, Thy prayers have been heard. Wow. Isn't that incredible? You were searching for God and God noticed. Yeah. You were searching for the Lord and he heard your prayers. And God dropped one of the most racist men walking the planet Mm. at your door. Mm. Clubbed him over the head figuratively so that he would give you the gospel. Now, if God can bring a preacher into the middle of the desert where no one is, and God can bring a racist man to the door of a a Gentile and have him give him the gospel, then there is no human being on the planet, no matter where they live, that God could not get the gospel to. And you and I talked about this as we were preparing these notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, I've had the hypothetical thrown at me by many people. Most recently, the hypothetical was given to me. What about, you know, the Native Americans Mm -hmm. who lived Mm -hmm. here? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the Europeans didn't even know they existed over here. Mm -hmm. They didn't even know the New World was real. Mm -hmm. And how could God get that faith to these people if the people that had the faith didn't even know they existed? And the truth is, God could have 
written it in the sky. Sure. God could have sit down an angel in the form of a man Absolutely. that looked like one of them to give them the gospel. Sure. God could have had the rocks Absolutely. cry out. Amen. God is not limited Amen. in how he would get the gospel to someone who's truly seeking. And I will add, I would not be surprised if we get to heaven and find people that were led to the Lord in such a manner. Absolutely. These were miraculous things. These were miracles. It was a miracle uh, for uh, Philip to make it to that eunuch. It was a miracle uh, that, that these they're having visions. I mean, literally, they're having visions. This is not common, ordinary, everyday stuff. Yeah. This is miraculous stuff that's happening, and God is purposefully doing the miraculous to get these people who are desiring to know him the opportunity to know him deeper. And so, so let ahead. me ask you a question. Why do you think God doesn't speak audibly to people today? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer that question here in just a minute. I do want to make sure we don't bypass this, okay. this statement right. here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of you. No, no, because this is important. Because okay. it says that Cornelius he gathered his family and his friends when he knew he heard from God. He knew he sent his his servants to go find Peter. He says the man of God is coming. I want everyone to hear. I, hey, you want, you need to be here. Hey, y'all need to be here. It was that important to him. Notice that his desire to know God impacted his family. It impacted his friends. It's written in the text there. Uh, I forget which, which ex, uh, verse exactly. Uh, but nonetheless, he, he gathered them together. Uh, and so they all heard and they all trusted Christ as their Savior. So if anyone goes their entire life without this, discovering God and knowing him, it's not God's fault. No. It's not God's fault. Uh, God has made himself known to all men. Back to your question. Why does God, or why doesn't God speak audibly today? Now, obviously we have the canonized Bible. And for those of you who are at home and don't understand what the canonized Bible is, uh, that's the, the gathered text that God has inspired, God has preserved, uh, and he has put it together in one book for us. That's the canon of Scripture. And so it's complete. It's been compiled uh, the only way that God could communicate with man prior to this was by speaking to him audibly, by giving visions. Uh, eventually, he sent prophets with his word. All right. So um, when he spoke to Adam and Eve, he spoke to them audibly. He spoke to them directly. Eventually, the more the written word was available, the more that was revealed to man, the less that God spoke audibly. Uh, the less visions, the less uh, speaking through prophets. Now we have preachers who proclaim the written word where in the old testament they had prophets who proclaimed god's spoken word and could even proclaim future events we don't have that today yeah i, didn't, I don't expect you to be able to tell us you know what's going to happen next month or no. next year i've heard it said that new testament preachers foretell that's right old testament prophets foretold amen amen and so the more that the written word is revealed to man the less god had to speak to man yeah. audibly and finally once god completely revealed his word to man then there was no need for God to speak to him audibly because we have the complete written word of God. Amen. And so, you know, we can't get too upset with Noah that he got drunk uh, because he didn't have Proverbs, you know, that talks about not looking at the wine when it is red. You know, he didn't have a copy of Ephesians 5.18 where it says, Be not drunk with wine where it is excess. Now, it's still wrong. Uh, he still shouldn't have done it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can't get too upset with him. He didn't have uh, as much information. And the same thing is true with various other sins uh, in the lives of believers in the Old Testament. So we see that everyone has some light. 
No one can say, well, I just didn't know. It's impossible. You have conscience, you have creation, and for those of us who were born after Christ, we have Christ. And even for those who were born before Christ, Christ was pointed to. He was foretold, uh, foretold rather, in the Old Testament, and so we have that. And so now, light obeyed increases light. We saw Cornelius, we saw the Ethiopian eunuch. They desired God, they sought God, and God went to great lengths to help them Amen. know him. Now let's look at point number three, Pastor. We see the next one is God wants everyone to be saved. Now this is a loaded point right here, right? Because everyone. Everyone is the key word. Because if, if you have any tendency towards uh, Calvinism, if you have any t- tendency towards uh, Reformed theology, you'll think, well, the elect, the elect. And that's another topic for another day. We'll tackle that another time. We'll tackle that another time. But I think it's safe to say that the scriptures are very clear that God wants everyone saved. Amen. You you agree, Pastor? 100%. 100%. Give us that that next verse there, Pastor, Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. Hath appeared to all. I love that. Uh, That verse, it can't get any clearer than that. How much clearer can it get? To believe that, you know, I better hold off on my <laughs> anti-Calvinism. We don't want to go on a Calvinism yeah. rant right now we'll, just we'll, yet. We'll leave that alone. Okay. First Timothy 2, verses 4 through 6. Uh, the Bible says, uh, who will, who the who there is referring to God, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Look at verse 6. Who gave himself a ransom for all uh, to be testified in due time. I love the, the way one particular preacher that I listen to, Pastor knows his name. Anyway, uh, the way he defines all, he says, what does all mean? He says, all means all. That's all all means. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not try to twist it. Let's not try to change it. When he says all, he means all. He was ransomed for all. Everybody. Every Everyone. single human being that ever yeah. lived is living currently and ever will live. Yeah. He wants all of them saved. And one of my favorite verses, 2 Peter 3, 9, this is a, this is a classic verse. Uh, read this one for us, Pastor, or you can quote it, I'm sure. Yeah, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as, promise, rather, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, mm. but that all There's should, that word again. Com- should come to repentance. He don't want none of them to perish, not a one of them. Now, we know that not everyone got saved that has ever lived, we probably can assume that not everybody's going to get saved, but that's not because God doesn't want them to get saved. It's because they refuse to listen to the light that they have received. They won't trust it. They won't follow through with that. And so a person cannot use the excuse that God is unjust or that God is unfair uh, because uh, some person lived in some jungle somewhere. They, they didn't have a chance to hear about Christ. Uh, what we're doing is we're trying to either excuse our behavior or accuse God so that we can not be accountable to him. And that's that's what we do. So, and I want to be careful enough not to come across as judgmental. Sure. If you're watching this and you fall into the camp of skeptical of everything we've said so far. But I'm just going to share with you what my experience has been when I have talked to people about this. And uh, a, a small percentage of the people who ask this question are sincere. A yes. small percentage. A large majority of the people that ask this question, and again, I've been asked this question a dozen times, two dozen times. I would say 80 to 90% of the people that have asked this, it's been clear to me 
that after I've answered every question they have about the gospel, hmm. and it's time for them to, it's, it's brass tacks, it's time for them to put their faith in Christ, they pull this one out as a last resort as if to say, well, then God isn't just, yeah. and I don't have to. Mm-hmm. And it's as though they're finding a way out of putting their faith and trust in Christ. Yeah. And I would just say right here to you, don't worry about the people in, in Africa or Asia or Native Americans here in, in the territory we now abide in. Don't worry about them. Have you gotten the truth? Yes. Then what Amen. are you going to do with the gospel? Amen. Amen. And, you know, he wants everyone to be saved. There's no doubt about that. Uh, scripture teaches that. That leads us to point number four. First, we saw everyone has some light. Light obeyed increases light. God wants everyone saved. And point number four is light disobeyed decreases light. Amen. Light disobeyed. So, in other words, a person who hears in their heart there is a God, knows in their heart the laws of God, sees the creation and understands there is a, a designer, but doesn't seek him, uh, doesn't desire him. Uh, does have no inclination whatsoever to even know him, eventually, God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anyone. He, we've, we've mentioned this before. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want puppets. He wants people that want to have a relationship with him. Yeah. And, and this passage here we're going to read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Yes, it's talking about uh, end time events, but the spirit is here even now. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, verse 10 through 12, the Bible says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. They didn't receive it. Uh, the love of the truth. Who is the love of the truth? The Lord Jesus is the love of the truth. He is the truth, and he is the love of God displayed in the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, it goes on to say in verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure, there it is, had pleasure in unrighteousness. In other words, my sin is more fun than your salvation. Wow. I I just can't imagine. Now, I get it. Sure, sin is fun. But I'm not willing to stake my eternity on 70, 80, or however many years God allows me, 70 years of sin, 80 years of sin, I, I, don't, want to trans, I don't want to exchange that for my eternity. Yeah, to be clear, to be saved, it's not a matter of whether you're sinning or haven't sinned. Being saved is a matter of faith in Christ. Amen. But I will add this. If you know that Jesus Christ died for sin, and you know that your sin is what put him up there, and you choose to go live your life in sin and ignore the cross, then what you're saying, in essence, is I don't care what Jesus did. Basically, it's a slap in the face to the Lord Himself. I have no. Pro- I'm shrugging my shoulders at the nails that were put through His hands and mm. His feet, and the crown He wow. wore, and the sin that He became on my behalf. I'm shrugging my shoulders at it. Is in essence what a person would be saying. Yeah. Uh, to and, and that's why the Bible says you're trampling underfoot. Uh, uh, the cross. That's right. The, the 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 blood of Jesus Christ. The spirit. That spirit is is alive and well today. Yes, it is. Uh, just like in First Timothy chapter four verses one and two. Uh, uh, Pastor, read that for us if you don't mind. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, 
speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The conscience that God has given to us to know that he exists, he says it'll be dull, it'll be numb, because we continue in our sin, we continue to rebel, we continue to run from him. This is why it's so important for people to get saved when they're young. Well, that conscience that's supposed to draw us to the Lord, if we ignore its guilt, we ignore its drawing to the Lord, it's seared. That's right. It no longer bothers that's right. us. That's right. Yeah, and, and that's alive and well today. Yeah. And so that light is being disobeyed. It's going to decrease it's diminishing. the light. Yeah. Uh, Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Uh, unless you get right. Okay. I'm not going to force this on you. I can't make you. Uh, I can't uh, demand of you. Uh, I can set the bar and, and make the expectation, but I've made the way for you to not have to keep that expectation yourself. I've kept it for you. I've done everything that needs to be done except believe for you. I can't do that part. And uh, God says we must trust in his Son, That's right. the Lord Jesus Christ, in order to go to heaven, in order to be saved. And if we, if we disobey that light, of course, that light uh, will continue to decrease. Now, uh, I want to share this passage. We talked about this particular fellow before, uh, J. Warner Wallace. He's the author of Cold Case Christianity uh, and Forensic Faith. Uh, he was a committed atheist for 35 years. Uh, he was a cold case homicide detective. Uh, and Detective Wallace decided to examine the evidence for Christianity by applying the same techniques that he used to solve his cold cases. And when we were talking about the evidences of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, yes. we cited him, we quoted yes. him. Uh, he set out to solve the most important cold case in history, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course his resurrection. And through his investigation, J. Warner Wallace, uh, uh, his investigation of the New Testament, specifically the eyewitness accounts found in the Gospels, uh, Jim is his first name, was convinced by the evidence and he became a Christian. He became a Christian. And so uh, we have a video that I'd like for you to watch, uh, and then we have some, some comments uh, after the video. Uh, this is Jay, Detective Jay Warner Wallace uh, talking about evidence and faith. I became a believer because I was challenged by a pastor in a church service. At the age of 35, I wasn't really interested in Christianity, but I did hear a pastor say that Jesus was a really smart guy. And I was interested to know if that was true. So I began to kind of look through the scripture using a discipline I had as a detective. I used this discipline called forensic statement analysis. As a result of that, I ended up determining that the gospels were reliable and were telling us something true about Jesus. But I often get asked, well, Jim, if you're using evidence to determine that Christianity is true, why call this faith at all? Well, something similar happens in every criminal trial I've ever worked. We have a list of evidences, a, a package of evidences we present to the jury, and at some point they're going to make a decision about whether this man did the, did the crime or not. And, and by the way, they're going to have lots of unanswered questions. I can't answer every question the jury might think of. But I do give them enough good evidence to know that, in fact, this defendant is guilty. Does that make sense? Now, that means they're making a decision without complete evidence. Yet they have good reason to believe that that step they're going to take, without knowing everything that could be known, will actually be a step that's short enough to take reasonably. 
Well, this is what we're doing as Christians, isn't it? We've got good evidence to believe this is true, but we're not going to have every question answered. There's always going to be questions I can't answer for you, even as a Christian. And you're going to have to take a step of trust across the divide between all the evidence we lay out and your unanswered questions. Well, that's exactly what jurors do all the time. And that is a step of trust, a step, you could say, of faith. But it's not blind. It's grounded in good reasons to believe this is true. In the same way that those jurors make a decision with all, without all the evidence they can have, you and I are being asked to make a decision about Jesus, even though you may have some open questions. But that decision you're making is not unreasonable because it's grounded in the evidence that preceded you. Well, I hope that video has helped you to understand, look, we're not going to have the answer to every question. It's just impossible. Uh, God is God, and we are not. Uh, he's infinitely wiser than we are. We're finite. Uh, he, we are his creation. He's the creator. There are things that we're just not going to know. Now, we have to take that step of faith, if you will, across that divide between all of the information that we have. We do have reasonable information that we can base a decision on. We still have some questions. We still have some things that are unanswered. And we probably will for the rest of our life. Right, Pastor? It, it is easy for you and I to sit here as preachers, pastors, who've had these arguments brought to us. And, we've, and to think we have all the answers. There are going to be there is a question out there or an angle on something that you can take mm -hmm. take that would stump sure us or anybody sure and the truth is you just have to if God laid it all out there for us every detail mm -hmm. then we wouldn't need faith yeah exactly and He wants us to come to Him by faith That's right. I picture the Israelites trapped by the Red Sea they were scared and God parted the water yep and they could see that. But how did they know the water was going to stay up as they crossed? Right. That's right. There was an element of faith for them there to was. walk through. There was. And, and again, faith is the key word, right? Because it's the, uh, uh, it's the evidence of things not seen, right? We don't see certain things, so we have to trust the God who does see. And as this uh, gentleman, Jim, pointed out, it isn't blind faith. No. We're not believing in the Easter Bunny. Of course. We're not believing in Santa Claus. <laughs> we um, have legitimate reasons to believe that the Bible is true, that the Lord Jesus is who he said he was, and that faith in him will lead us to an eternal relationship with God. Faith gets us the last step across the finish Amen. line. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, the Bible says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I have one last illustration that I want to share uh, with our church family here, Pastor. Uh, it says a teacher was trying to teach on the omnipresence of God. She said, the Lord can be everywhere at the same time. He is with us here in our Sunday school class. A little boy spoke up and he said, is he with the Methodists over on the other side of town? The teacher said, yes, he is with the Methodists, the teacher said. Uh, the boy was a little skeptical, skeptical rather. So he asked, is the Lord back home at my house? The teacher replied, well, he could be. Uh, and he could be there and here at the same time, she said. 
again, the little boy asks, uh, well, we have a big barn. Is, is he in our barn? And he sure could be in your barn and here at the same time. The Lord is omnipresent. He can be uh, anywhere and everywhere all at the same time, the teacher said. Uh, the skeptical little boy still didn't believe. He couldn't understand it. He couldn't comprehend how God could be in the barn and in their classroom at the same time. Uh, and he thought that if he can't understand it, then he shouldn't believe it. And so he asked his teacher one more time, is the Lord in our cellar? Is he in our basement? And the teacher said, yes, the Lord could possibly be in your cellar. cellar. Uh, the little boy said, aha, I got you. We don't have a cellar. <laughs> so what you're saying is not true. Uh, and, you know, that's humorous for that little boy uh, to kind of take that angle. But we have adults using that that uh, philosophy of that reasoning well if it's if I, if I can't comprehend it if i can't wrap my brain around it if i can't analyze every single little minute detail then it's not worth be believing listen just because we cannot humanly comprehend every single detail and answer every single question does not mean that it is not true and so at the end of the day god has given us a conscience he's given us uh, creation Obviously, he's given us his Christ. He's given us his word. He's given his life. What more do you want him to do? You need to quit focusing on the head and start focusing on your heart. Amen. Amen. Not you. No, the, I, the no I totally agree 100% with it, that statement. It, it's all, it can't just be, I have to have all my ducks in a row mentally before. Yeah. God, God wants your heart. Because if you do that, your faith is in your intellect. Your faith and your, your trust is in your and then, knowledge. And then isn't it self-worship at that point? It's not in God. Your faith is not in God. Yeah. And you have to come to the cross figuratively. Yes. And you have to put, one has to put their faith in him. And so, you know, someone in a, in a jungle somewhere that never saw a Bible, never heard a preacher, never saw a church, never heard the gospel, God would reach to them if they desire, which he put the desire in their heart. And if they follow that light, God will make it up. He will make it able for them to be able to trust Christ as their Savior. Amen. And, and if it takes miraculous, then so be it. Amen. 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 Well, that, I think that pretty well covers that question. And if you need our uh, Pastor Morales' rather notes on this uh, or you would like to further discuss it, feel free to reach out to the church. If you have our cell numbers, you can call us. If not, call the church office and Someone will put us in touch with you. We'd love to be able to answer your questions further and help you. Well, we're looking at roadblocks that keep people from being saved. Um, uh, Paul said, uh, we persuade men. Amen. We persuade Amen. men. So our goal is to guide you around the mental roadblocks that are keeping you from being saved. Next week, we're going to take on the topic of why so many religions are in the world. Yeah. And is Jesus really the only way? What about all of these other religions? How, how are you so arrogant to believe that you got it right? Yeah. Does that mean you believe everyone else has gotten it wrong? And so we're going to address that next week. That's a big one. That's a big one. I've heard that one many times myself. And I'm sure our church folks have heard that one as well when they've oh, yeah. attempted to, uh, to witness. One, one thing, Pastor, that I, that I want to make sure our church family understands don't wait until you have it all figured out to witness. Amen. If you wait until you have it all figured out, you'll never witness. You'll never witness. I remember uh, as a young Christian, 
just recently saved and being taught that soul winning is is commanded in scripture and being taught that soul winning is right and I was scared to death to go and tell someone about the Lord because I didn't know what questions are they going to ask. What if I don't know the answer? What if I can't remember the verse? I have to know the whole Bible. I first. have to know the whole Bible. I have to know every <laughs> reference. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. And what what I learned was just go, just talk, just witness. Are you going to be able to answer everything? Probably not, but you're going to be able to answer some. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to answer some. And so. Consider, consider, and think about the people who will uh, be uh, receptive to what you have to say, whose answer, whose questions you will be able to answer. Many, pe- many people out there are an Ethiopian eunuch, exactly, or a Cornelius. Yes, there's far more of those. They don't than the others. They don't need you to reason with them over the finer points. They yes. just need you to tell them who Jesus is and they what is it. They just need the gospel. Yeah. And if you say, "Well, I don't even know how to do that," do you, if you're saved. Can you tell them how you got saved? Can you tell them your testimony? For a lot of people, that's enough. That's it. And so I know that won't be enough for everyone. We get it. We get it. Some people will be more intellectual than others. Okay. But it's not my my job or Pastor Lejeune's job or even your job to convert everyone. It's not even our job to convert anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job to tell them. To point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so don't wait until you have everything figured out. Don't wait until you have all the answers. Don't even wait until we're done with these roadblocks, you know, to to people trusting Christ as their Savior. Start sharing Uh, today. Start right now. Start today. Carry tracts with you. Hand them out. Uh, Be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never regret it. And God will bless you for it. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope that this topic's been a help. Uh, we hope this adds to your arsenal as you do share the gospel. And uh, if so, please consider sharing this with uh, your friends on social media and encourage them to watch it. And uh, we want to get the gospel out any way and every way we can. Amen. Pray for us. In the next couple of weeks, Pastor Morales and I will be recording uh, how to be recording us giving the gospel yes. as an element you can, as a tool you can use to help see your friends and family say but in the meantime you be busy about doing the lord's work we trust that you will we hope the service this evening has been a help and we look forward to seeing you in the building as soon as you are able to get here and feel safe doing so god bless you and we'll uh, prayerfully see you this wednesday evening in service if there's anything we can do for you please reach out to us and let us know